Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the tribes of Israel as we pick up in Genesis chapter 48, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Twelve tribes of Israel, though in reality, there were 13 actual tribes, or possibly, if indeed the tribe of Joseph existed separate from Ephraim and Manasseh, you had 14 tribes, but never a listing of 14, only of 12. So here he claims the two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, they're just going to be like Reuben and Simeon, and they're, they're shall receive their inheritance uh, in the land. And so then Israel, and no doubt his eyes were failing him, and he saw just the (coughs) shadowy figure of Joseph's two sons, who at this time were probably in their 20s. They weren't just little kids. They were probably in their 20s at this time because Joseph by this time was 56 years old. And uh, so his sons are in their early 20s at this point. And so Jacob sees these two others and he said, who are these? And Joseph answered, these are my two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Joseph sought that they bring them near to him and he kissed them and he hugged them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had given up ever seeing your face, and lo, God has even shown me your children. Uh, he, he had really figured that he had never be able to see the face of Joseph again, but God in his grace, not only did he get to see Joseph again, but Joseph's children. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with a face to the earth. And Joseph took them both. Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So as Joseph brought the two sons up to his father, in order that they might receive a blessing from his father, he brought them up so that Jacob's right hand would rest upon Manasseh and his left hand would rest upon Ephraim because Manasseh was the older and thus the first blessing to go to the older son. But as he brought them up in this order that the old man might just lay his hands on the two boys, the old man crossed his hands and he put his right hand over here on Ephraim and his left hand over here on Manasseh and began uh, to bless them. And Joseph said, wait a minute, Dad, wait a minute, you got a mistake here, you know. And he said, let me alone, son, I know what I'm doing. And, and so Ephraim was then blessed and given a place of prominence over Manasseh, though he was not the firstborn. Now, this is not the first time this happened. Even with Jacob himself, the old man that was doing this, he was not the firstborn. Uh, His brother Esau was firstborn, and yet the blessing had come to him. And uh, so now he is doing the same thing 
with his grandsons, crossing his hands and pronouncing the greater blessing upon Ephraim. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Recognizing that his provision, the bottom line, had come from God. Sure, he'd been out there working. Sure, he'd been out there taking care of the cattle and the sheep and so forth. And yet, when it comes right down to it, I depend upon God for my sustenance. If God doesn't sustain me, I'm not going to be sustained. God has fed me all the days of my life. And the angel which redeemed me. Now, this is interesting. He blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my father Abraham and Isaac did walk, that is, God the Father, the God which fed me all the days of my life to this day, that would be the work of the Holy Spirit in the ministry to the saints. The angel which redeemed me from all evil, that would be the work of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. And so here you actually have the Trinity of God being mentioned in the prayer of Abraham. God of my father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who has fed me, the angel of the Lord who redeemed me. Bless the lads. And let my name be named on them. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father had laid the right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, father, for this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. And he also shall become a people. And he also shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm dying, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. And so one portion more, two portions going to Joseph, and thus the birthright being passed on to Joseph, his receiving of the two portions. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. This is probably the grandest hour of the old man Jacob. He had had some pretty rough hours. Life had been hard. As he said to the Pharaoh, my days have been 130 years and few and evil are the days of my pilgrimage. They had been tough years, but he rose to the grandest hour in the hour of his death. Gathering his sons together just before he dies in order that he might prophesy to them and of them that which should befall them in the years to come. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken to Israel your father. Reuben, 
And the boy's now standing around the bed, probably in order of their birth. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. It should have been Reuben's, the firstborn, and yet you're as unstable as water. You will not excel. And it is true that none from the tribe of Reuben ever did excel in anything. Just wasn't there. Later on, Reuben desired to receive his portion and his inheritance really outside of the land. And he never did excel. The tribe never did excel. Because you went to thy father's bed and you defiled it, you went up to my couch. Actually, you remember that earlier in the story it tells how that Reuben went to his father's concubine, Bilhah. And though Jacob didn't say much about it then, here it is death. He brings it up and points out this characteristic of weakness, which will be a mark and a trait of Reuben, unstable as water, keeping him from excelling. Simeon and Levi are brothers. They are instruments of cruelty in their house. O oh, my soul, come not thou into their secret, into their assembly, my honor. Be not thou united, for in their anger they killed a man, and in their self-will they digged down a wall. It, it is also translated in the Revised, they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So the tribes of Simeon and Levi were not to dwell together. They were brothers. They, they seemed to be closer than any of the other brothers. They, these two seemed to pair off together. But the common bond between them wasn't a good bond. It was the fact that they were both ill-tempered, violent tempers. Cursed be their anger and their self-will. But that seemed to bind them together. But when you come into the land, you're going to be scattered. The tribe of Simeon was really scattered through the land. And of course, Levi never did receive any inheritance within the land, but dwelt in the 48 cities that were appointed unto Levi. And so the prophecy was fulfilled. Now when he gets to Judah, Judah, thou art he whom your brothers shall praise. The word Judah does mean praise. Thy hand shall be at the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. So he's, he's now prophesying really that from the tribe of Judah shall come the, the kingly reign. Your father's brothers will bow down before you. Evidently with Judah, there was a real change of character. Now when Joseph's brothers 
were thinking about killing him and just leaving him in the pit to die. When they saw the caravan coming towards Egypt, it was Judah that suggested that they sell him to the people in the caravan, probably not knowing Reuben's plan to come back and to get him out of the pit and, and knowing the brother's full intention to just kill him, figured to save his life by selling him, and at least he'll be alive. He can be sold as a slave to Egypt, but at least he'll be alive. And the suggestion of Judah was probably to spare the life of Joseph. But even over this, he no doubt had remorse. And later on, when Jacob said, I won't let Benjamin go down, Judah said, Dad, I'll be the surety for him. I'll hold me responsible. And he was probably the most responsible of the sons. Now, when they came to Egypt and Joseph put his silver cup in Benjamin's sack, and when they came and they unloaded the sacks and they saw the cup and they said, we don't want you all, we'll just take this kid back and let him be the slave. Judah came back and he said, look, he said, I'll give myself for my brother. I'll become your slave, let him go back to his dad. And Judah became the spokesman, and he stepped up and showed really a lot of courage, a lot of real uh, metal at this point. So that this is beginning to develop in Judah, and now Jacob carries it on in the prophecy and begins to prophesy the fact that Judah uh, shall actually become a ruling tribe. The father's children will bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp, and from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? And so Judah became, really, uh, the symbol of Judah was the lion, and there began then to be the prophecy of the lion of the tribe of Judah that would come. Of course, it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Now this prophecy was fulfilled, fulfilled Shiloh indicating or bespeaking of the Messiah that was to come, the Savior. The word Shiloh came from the root of peace, shalom, and it, until peace comes. And uh, the peace, the Prince of Peace, of course, Jesus Christ. Now, the scepter did not depart from Judah until the coming of the Lord, but 30 years after Jesus was crucified, or 40 years after, the scepter departed from Judah. So that means that the Messiah would have to have come sometime before 70 A.D. in order that this prophecy of Jacob be truly fulfilled. Otherwise, the whole prophetic thing is off. So we know that Shiloh did come. The peace of Israel did come even Jesus Christ. And when he came, he said, 
if you only knew the things that belong to your peace in this thy day, but they are hid from your eyes. The day of his coming as the Messiah, the official day of his coming as the Messiah, his proclamation, as the disciples were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, as he came to the city of Jerusalem, looking over the city that day, weeping over the city, he cried, if you only knew the things that belong to your peace, shalom, till the Shiloh, shalom, come. And so unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Actually, he will be the ruler, binding his fall uh, unto him, that is the Shiloh, unto Christ, the gathering of the people, binding his fall unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. Zebulun, the next, shall dwell at the haven of the sea, or towards the sea, and shall be a haven of ships, and his borders shall be unto Sidon. So Zebulun was given that area in the northern part of Israel, portion of which is now Lebanon. Uh, however, he never did take the full portion that was promised. Ishkar is a strong ass couching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good, in the land it was pleasant, and he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tribute. In other words, he's strong as an ox, but he's lazy. <laughs> And, uh, and thus, a characteristic of the tribe of Ishkar was, though they were strong, yet they were lazy, and thus became a servant to tribute. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. The word Dan means judge. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heels, so that his rider shall fall backwards. Now, Dan, of course, inherited the northernmost part of the land in the area just at the base of Mount Hermon and the area which is today the Hula Valley, which lies between the mountains of Lebanon and the Golan Heights, this valley of the upper Jordan upwards from the Sea of Galilee in this area of upper Jordan, was the area where the tribe of Dan settled, clearing up the ruins of the city of Dan is uh, just about four or five miles from the base of Mount Hermon. So you're clear up in the upper end of the valley. And Dan was a tough tribe and did protect uh, the nation Israel from the attacks of those nations coming down from the north. Now, here in the midst of the whole thing, verse 18, not related to any of the prophecies to his sons, Jacob cried, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. The word salvation, O Lord, or translated salvation, O Lord, is actually Yeshua, or the name Jesus. I have waited for Jesus. Yeshua, or the Lord's salvation, or Jehovah's salvation. And so it's very interesting. This is the first mention of the word salvation 
in the Bible. And its mention is just in the prophecy of Jacob as he cries out, now in the midst of his prophesying over his sons, I have waited for Yeshua. I have waited for Jesus, or later Joshua, but Yeshua is the Hebrew word here. And it's translated, thy salvation, O Lord. The tribe of Gad, Gad means a troop, but a troop shall overcome him, and he shall overcome at the last. Gad, again with the Reubenites, took up inheritance outside of the land of Israel, and uh, they were overcome uh, early, but yet the prophecy is in the end they will overcome. Out of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. And so the baker tribe. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 48 through 49 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. May you be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner man. And may you comprehend more and more what is the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of God's great love for you. As you reach out to those around you who are less fortunate to help, to strengthen, to supply. God be with you, and may he use you as his instrument to show his love to this needy world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. What does the future hold? Is the end of time really near? When will the church be raptured? What is the rapture? Will we see the Antichrist? What about the Great Tribulation? Join Pastor Chuck Smith as he answers these and many more questions about the end times in his exciting book, Final Act. Now available in hardcover, Pastor Chuck gives great insight into man's final days here on earth. Joe Rosenberg calls Final Act a powerful, provocative end times primer. 
Tim LaHaye states this unique and dramatic treatment is both true to scripture and practical. Read about this exciting drama and get answers to your questions on world wars, the Antichrist, the Great Tribulation, the Second Coming, and more. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673.